Welcome one, welcome all. Hey, uh, I tell you what, they got some playoff hockey getting ready to get underway down at the UW Panther Arena as the season winds down. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. And I tell you what, I was just thinking about this today, that when the postseason begins, we got to get down there and do a live show uh, down at the UW Panther Arena. Just Even if we're just there and cameras on the ice and the arena's quiet, but you can, I can bring you maybe the the picture scent of hot dogs getting ready to be, you know, thrown on the rollers, beer getting ready to flow. Maybe we have one or two sitting up there with us. Talk a little hockey to a little postseason hockey. There's a lot of hockey fans in this area. The Brewers, by the way, they've bought in to the Milwaukee Admirals, in case you didn't know. There's a little tie into baseball there. Get the coach, a few of the players. Talk a little hockey as we get ready for the postseason. Wouldn't mind doing that. Bring it. Maybe even uh, maybe we get Zamboni cam or something like that. Oh yeah, good stuff. Uh, so go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com, and get ready for Admirals postseason hockey. Cannot wait for that. And if you're heading downtown, by the way, to check out an Admirals game, stop in and uh, get a good pizza from our buddy Gino over at San Giorgio's. San Giorgio's. Get the Bill Michaels, the San Giorgio, the Aladio, any of them. Good pizzas over there at San Giorgio Pizzeria. The uh, the Napolitana, authentic, VPN Pizzeria. Stop in and tell them we said hi. They pair it up with our friends at Cider Boys. Good cider. Good cider to drink with that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is a uh, that is a oh, oh yeah for your taste buds, and you're good to go. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. John writes, unit. Uh, I cannot read by the way his uh, email verbatim just because there are a few uh, expletives in there. John says, unit. What the f is wrong with people? It's one game. We're already talking about dropping down bunts, moving Yelich up, moving Yelich down in the lineup, and talking about how bad the pitching is going to be. Have people lost their effing mind? I can't say the entire word. Uh, he said, I'm a diehard Brewers fan. I think this team can win it all. They do have to get through the postseason. But let's get to the postseason before we condemn them. You are 100% correct. It is easy to point the finger and say they're not going to win a World Series when they have never won one in their franchise's history. It's the year that they win it that everybody pointing the finger can take that finger and stick it up there. I'm not going to say what he said, but in our nether region. So there you go. John, appreciate the email. Uh, Yeah, there's... It's just like the people that point out every year that the Packers are never going to win a Super Bowl. They're not going to win with Aaron Rodgers. That's too selfish. He won't run Matt LaFleur's offense. Matt LaFleur can't put a put a rein on, on Aaron Rodgers, and he just goes on and on. Okay. And I think that's the way people actually talk. Ben, do you agree with me? People talk that way, right? Oh, on point. 100%. On point. Thank you very much. There you go. Those He's are the dynamite. voices I hear when someone complains about Craig Council pulling a pitcher. Oh, you had a no-hitter through right. four and a third. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, we would throw 200 pitches, and I would need Tommy John surgery, throw another 100 pitches, and I would never leave the mound even when I gave up six runs. Ugh, oh, I always break. get the, the Warren Spawn references. Warren Spawn, that high-kicking lefty, he threw 411 pitches in one game, struck out 80. What's wrong with these guys? Ty Cobb yeah. never took a day off. He did it with a beer and a cigarette in his hand. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, he got spiked in the wrist. He was bleeding out. He still threw 48 pitches after that. Even after he was dead, he was pitching. What the hell is wrong with these guys are soft? So, And then he ran around, caught his own bunt when he bunted. He played the field and hit all at the same time. It was amazing. I get it. I get it. Different game, different day. Um, this is our buddy team uh, who says, uh, until there is a salary cap, we will always be disappointed with the Brewers. Uh, you should all jump ship and become a Dodgers fan like I have. Uh, if you can't buy the best players because big markets with bigger luxury uh, over blah, 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 bid you, then you are at a disadvantage. Yeah, but that's part of being a fan. When you do overcome the big, remember last year, put it this way. the Bru- Let's look at it this way for a minute, okay? By your standards, right? By your standards, the way the way it was. The Brewers last year beat New York. The Brewers last year beat Philadelphia. The Brewers last year beat Washington. They beat St. Louis. They beat Chicago. Chicago. Chicago acts like they're a small market team, but they're not. Chicago's a big market team. Big market team. They beat Arizona. Arizona's in Phoenix. One of the biggest cities and media markets there are. They beat uh, they beat San Diego. So, come on, man. Ben says the Phillies were 5-2 and two against... Yeah, but I'm talking about into the postseason. Getting into the postseason, doing damage in the postseason, all that kind of stuff. They, they got there with a lot of these teams, these big market teams. The smallest media market in all of baseball was in the postseason. Other teams last year were not. They were not. Think about it. Think about the teams that were eliminated. Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota, Seattle, Los Angeles, and Texas, based in Arlington, but really Dallas. All of those big market cities. All of those over in the American League. In the National League, they beat Philadelphia. They beat New York. They beat Miami. They beat Washington. They beat St. Louis. They beat the Cubs. They beat San Diego, Colorado, Arizona. Beat them all. Beat them all. All large markets. So I understand what you're saying. But don't, as a Brewers fan, you just take this level of, yeah, when you beat all the large markets and you're not supposed to be there because you're not. But then again, I mean, when you talk about a a city like Miami, Miami doesn't spend any money. That franchise sucks. You're supposed to beat Miami. Everybody's supposed to beat Miami. Baltimore sucks. Baltimore had once a historic, pride-filled fan base and ownership group and, and group of guys that put themselves relevant every year in the American League East. They were always going to be there battling with the Yankees for the top spot, and now they suck. And the Brewers don't. The little Milwaukee Brewers, eh. They put 2.5 million, 3 million people through the gates damn near every year prior to COVID. They do more with their money than anybody. They got a general manager who, for the most part, usually has a pretty golden touch. You got to do it that way. You got to manipulate it that way. You just don't go out and buy 
championships. Isn't that hollow? Doesn't that suck? We're number one. Why? Because we have the most money. Okay. This guy sucks. Just buy another guy. We're the Brewers. They have to hit. For the longest time, as a Brewers fan, you were thinking to yourself, will this team ever, ever get homegrown players, homegrown pitching? Think about it. The homegrown guys, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Devin Williams, the guy you traded for when nobody really knew, you know, kind of like, yeah, should we go after this guy? Yeah, you know, we got a guy in Josh Hader. Eh, I don't know if he's ever going to amount to anything. He's kind of a starting pitcher. Where is he going to fit in? Best closer in baseball. Best closer in baseball. Aaron Ashby, he's in a pen. He's a brewer, dude. Brent Suter, brewer, dude. You get some of these guys, and you're like, eh, you know, I don't know, you know. Adrian Hauser, eh, I don't, should I, should we trade for him? He came over in that Josh Hader deal, and it, I don't know, you know. And then, damn, bam, he's one of your starters. You got to find those diamonds in the rough. You got to pick those guys. Go get them. I feel good when the Brewers win. I feel good when they get into the postseason. They're doing things that they haven't done in a long time. And they're con- I feel good when I watch preseason hot stove stuff. And all of a sudden you look at it and you go, man, they're picking the Brewers to win the division. The Brewers over the mighty fly the W Cubs and their arrogance over the upstanding Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're picked over the Cardinals too. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. It's easy to become a fan of a team that's constantly winning, constantly buying players, constantly spending beyond spending when you have that ability to do so. But I do like, I hate it on one hand, but on the other hand, eh. Yankees did it for years and years and years. And once Joe Torre left, they ain't been anything since. They were winning it every other year, it seemed, and outspending everybody. And then all of a sudden they caught up with them and they had a bunch of dead, bad contracts. It'll happen to the L.A. Dodgers, too. It'll happen to them. And then what are you going to do? Come back to the Brewers? If the Brewers win, you're going to come back? 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Stay with us. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome all. Glad to have you. Bill Michael show on the air. And hopefully uh, you're enjoying your day today. We certainly appreciate it. A um, couple of things to get to. Uh, first of all, I I apologize for the bowling uh, lengthy story, but that was the truth from the weekend. And as a matter of fact, uh, Paul just uh, hit us up over on the Bud Light live stream. He said, watching the video of Norm Duke right now blowing on his bowling ball, he looks like he might actually give birth. And he said, LOL. And, and I'm telling you, man, 
It was crazy. It was crazy. Let's uh, let's do this though. Let's let, let's talk a little bit about um, some pro football focus and some of the college guys that might be coming into the Packers mix relatively soon. As uh, we now break away and we go to our uh, buddy Anthony Treesh, Pro Football Focus, P- at PFF underscore Anthony. You can find his stuff there. Anthony, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Doing pretty good. How you doing? We're doing well. So, first of all, let me ask you this. Uh, th- through all the mock drafts, we all know the Packers need a wide receiver. Uh, how many do you think they'll take? Do you think they take one, two, three? Do they move up in the first round because of desperation? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I definitely think they take one. I hope they take two. I just don't know if they will take two. Um, but I, I would be absolutely shocked. I know the history. They don't take wide receivers in the first round. But I would be shocked if at least one of those first-round picks was not dedicated to a wide receiver. Because right now, I mean, there's there's no argument there that that receiving core is not very good. And, you know, it's one of the bottom tier, um, in the bottom tier of the NFL. So I definitely think they need to take one. I think they will take one. I would take two. I just don't know if they will do that. Who is most likely to be there when the Packers choose in the 20s? Because I would assume at some point the Packers may move up to get somebody. So I've got to think that a guy or two may fall in that direction to where they can say, okay, let's go up and get this guy because it'll be worth it. Yeah, so I think there will be about six, maybe seven wide receivers off the board in round one, a little bit more than I think some people are expecting. I think the top four guys, consensus-wise, you know, Drake London, both guys from uh, Ohio State, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, and then Jamison Williams from Alabama. I think those four will be up the board by the time Green Bay picks. Um, and, and so if they want to move up for one of those, they certainly could. But I do think that, you know, they can't stand pack and expect one of those guys to fall. I, I just can't see that happening. So, you know, if they do stay put, you know, they're going to have a pretty good choice there, you know, whatever they really value as a position. I mean, I kind of refer to, refer to this wide receiver class as a pick your poison type of group, what you need as a position, because all of these guys are very different, but, but I think they're all similar in a way that I don't know if any of them becomes that dominant wide receiver one, but they're all high floor, you know, guys that I think will be quality twos in the league, which is still very valuable. So, you know, you look at, you know, if they want, I think they're probably going to go after some one of these big guys, whether it's Traylon Burks, um, or maybe Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And personally, I would prefer Christian Watson. Um, you know, I think he's kind of, you know, what everybody wants Traylon Burks to be. Um, you know, I mean, Christian Watson, six foot four, I'm just shy of two, 210 pounds. I mean, he tested, you know, phenomenally at the NFL Scouting Combine. I think he probably put up the, one of the most, if not the most impressive performance of anybody in attendance. And, you know, when I saw him close to the Senior Bowl, he really opened up my eyes and, you know, I was talking with the power five head coach that was there and he said, this guy's no doubt the best wide receiver here. And it's not even close. Um, and so a lot of people think highly of him. He's still very, very raw, um, but he's getting better. And I think that's where I'm a little bit more encouraged. Um, you know, he, he did show some growth even in a run heavy offense with, you know, across you know every aspect of the wide receiver position. Traylon Burks, I think he's, he's, I think he's a little bit more of a limited player. I think he's going to be a big slot. One of those guys that you just kind of want to get him the ball. Um, you know, just get the ball in his hands, but I'm just not sure he's going to be, you know, as impactful as he was at Arkansas. So I would prefer Christian Watson and Traylon Burks is no doubt. I would say, you know, more people prefer him. Um, but if they want to go with, you know, one of those big body guys, it's kind of down to those two. It could be George Pickens too from Georgia. He, you know, he visited Green Bay. Um, you know, of course, injuries kind of derailed the last couple of years. You know, barely played this past year from a torn ACL last spring. And, you know, when he played in 2020, he was battling an injury too the entire way. So it wasn't really his true form, but when he was a true freshman in 2019, I mean, he was one of the best receivers in college football. I mean, ball skills are off the charts. You know, he has the speed and the acceleration. 
Um, you know, he's more than just a, you know, a physical contested catch guy. Um, so any of those three guys, and of course you have your options if you want to slot, you know, you have Jahad Dotson from Penn State, um, you know, you have Sky Moore from Western Michigan. So, I mean, they're still, even though they're not probably going to be able to get one of those top four receivers that, you know, are likely to be off the board by the time they pick, there's still a, a wealth of options there for them. And even with that group right there, outside of the top four, I would still consider two wide receivers with those first two first round picks. When you and I want to go back to something you said about guys that uh, you know kind of look really really good at the Senior Bowl. I've been there, done that with guys that look okay in the regular season. They go off the charts at the Senior Bowl. They come out with a lot of expectation, and they don't make it. And it's usually because you got to go back and actually look at the film that they had throughout the season. So when you talk about guys at the Senior Bowl that look really really good and scouts really like them for everything that they see. How, what, how much stock do you put in the senior bowl versus what you see on film all throughout the year? So I think it's kind of a case by case type of thing. Um, you know, but for, for someone like Christian Watson, who was, a, you know, a pretty dominant player um, at the senior bowl, he actually graded all the senior bowl one-on-one reps, you know, um, Jim Nagy, the director there, he provides us with the all 2020, all 22 film and we grade every single rep that's taken place there. And Christian Watson was a top three graded player at the position. Um, in one-on-ones and overall for the week, one of the highest graded players. Um, and, and so you look at that and it kind of gets you to go back to the tape and you can see, you know, the ways he's winning. And I think, you know, when I was talking about him specifically early on in his career at North Dakota state, and even early on this past year, I mean, it, it looked like he just did not know how to play the position, but you did start to see that growth as, you know, as the season progressed, right. When he became a more featured piece and, you know, he wasn't just getting used and, I mean, they used him. Everybody's looking for the next Debo Samuel. He's not Debo Samuel, but when you talk about guys that are used like him, he was used like him at North Dakota State. But as a route runner with his ball skills, you know, the way he attacks the ball, it was getting – it was decidedly different by the end of the season as opposed to the beginning of the season. And you kind of saw the end-of-season form at the Senior Bowl. So I thought that was a little bit more reassuring. But then there are a lot of cases where you need to be cautious of that. Um, You know, it's – it is definitely a case-by-case thing, and I do think it's more valuable for some of those guys that aren't necessarily from, you know, not even Power 5, not even from FBS schools, right? And they're going up, you know, from they're coming from a lesser level of college football, going up against some NFL talent, and they're succeeding or they're not thriving. I think that can be really telling. So I think that week's more important for those guys, um, whereas some of the Power 5 guys, it's a little less important. Obviously, it's still important, but – it definitely means more for some of those guys coming from the lower levels of football. So, you know, going back to your original question, it's definitely case by case. And for someone, um, you know, that maybe just, you know, blew up the senior bowl and they just did not have that same feel on tape. I'm definitely leaning more towards the tape and I'm not investing all in that senior bowl performance, you know, as good as it could have been. Um, And so it definitely is a case by case thing. I'll say. Uh, by the way, just an FYI for those that are listening, we're talking to Anthony Trees. She is with uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, the lead college analyst there at PFF underscore Anthony. So uh, when I was going through the last Pro Football Focus mock draft, seemed to be a real rush and run on edge rushers early on. Do you think it's going to go that direction? You know, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how everything shakes out. And obviously, I think the Malik Willis dominant is a big picture of that because he could go second overall. Um, I think he's still an option there, but I think they'll probably end up going with an edge defender. And I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is still a, a very good option for him, and I think that's who they should take. Um, but, of course, it could be Trayvon Walker. So if it is edge defender at number two overall, 
and Trayvon Walker, and it's Kayvon Thibodeau saying, and then Trayvon Walker comes off the board a couple of picks later. I, and then, you know, you get Jermaine Johnson in there. I think you could start to see a run. And, you know, no matter what, I think if you're picking for teams without a first-round pick um, or teams with multiple day two picks in the second round and you're looking at an edge defender, you're still probably going to get good value whether there's a run or not um, just because that's how deep the position is. I mean, you know, it'll be kind of interesting to see where, you know, that run kind of starts. But it would not at all surprise me if we get four edge defenders off the board within the first 10 picks. And, you know, I'll be curious to see after that who who's really next, right? Because I think, you know, after that, it's kind of a toss-up with some of these guys. I would go with Boye and Mafe. I mean, I would take Boye and Mafe over Trayvon Walker, but I could spend an hour on that entire debacle. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that there will be a pretty good run there. And But at the end of the day, I still think in round two, there, there's going to be plenty of value with guys like Nick Benito from Oklahoma, um, Drake Jackson from USC, a developmental guy. A lot of BPR types, but that could still be valuable and develop into something good. Uh, one of the other needs the Packers have, well, they got a couple needs. As a matter of fact, they're looking for a, probably a backup tackle. They're looking for an edge rusher. They're looking for defensive line depth uh, there as well, even though they did, did sign, make a, a signing uh, Jamon Reed during the, the offseason. But they still need guys that can kind of, you know, help Kenny Clark up front. Give me your thoughts on the tackle position and on defensive line help. Yeah, I do think the tackle position does take a pretty big step back after the first handful of guys. I mean, of course, Charles Cross, Mississippi State, Evan Neal from Alabama, Ike Aquano from NC State. I would probably put Bernhard Ryman in that second tier by himself. And then that's when I start to think you see a little bit of a drop-off there um, with guys like Tyler Smith from Tulsa. But, you know, he has so much more room to improve from a technique perspective. You know, Trevor Pitting from Northern Iowa I put in there, even though He's probably going to go top 15. I don't think he's a top 15 pick. I think he's got a long road ahead of him. Um, and I just don't know if that play style is going to translate as many people think because, you know, he while he was the standout at the Senior Bowl, and it was just kind of the way he, he played at Northern Iowa, it just wasn't very consistent and it gets lesser competition. Um, you know, so it makes it look a little bit better um, than it actually really was for someone, you know, six foot seven going up against guys that are severely undersized. Um, and then once you get after that, I think there's another pretty big drop-off after Smith and Penning. Um, and so I think if there's a, they need a tackle and they want a tackle, you know, it would have to be in that first round where I think you'd be someone comfortable there. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, there's more, I think, just flyers I'd be willing to take later on than as opposed to on day two. Um, you know, like uh, Matt Willesco from uh, North Dakota, I think he's a very intriguing guy coming up from the FCS. Um, I really liked his game, um, not just at the Senior Bowl, but also on tape. Um, I think he's a little bit more further along than some of these non-FBS guys um, going to the next level. Um, even, too, I, there's one, actually, interior offensive lineman. I actually had him slotted there in my mock um, in the second round to Green Bay. Um, even though he's probably going to go on day three, Zach Tom from Wake Forest, I think he would fit perfectly in Green Bay's system. I, that's one of my favorite fits. Um, if Green Bay can land him, I think he's a more advanced player than many people think. He played tackle at Wake Forest. Um, he's going to be an interior offensive lineman at the next level just because of his size. But, I mean, he's just an elite athlete, and I think he's a, a refined technician. And most of these guys, these prospects, the biggest thing they struggle with is, you know, they're just relying on two-hand punches in college. They're not really using their hands independently, but Zach Tom can, and he did it against good competition like Jermaine Johnson. Completely shut him down this past year. One of the highest-graded players, pass protection in college football. So, I, I think, you know, if they want to go offensive line, I would wait, and if they don't want to go early, I would wait even further than on day two. Um, 
you know, in some of the defensive line guys, I think on day two, like I mentioned with the edge defenders, I still think there can be pretty good value there. The interior guys, I think, you know, the first top three guys, I think there's a pretty big gap after those first three. The you know Devontae White, Jordan Davis from Georgia, and then Travis Jones from UConn. Those three could go first round, and I think there's a pretty big drop off. But you can get you know possibly work on developing someone like Demarvin Leal, who's kind of in that tweener range, um, better at edge in college, but he can't play edge at the NFL at his size. But when he was on the interior in college, he just did not look natural there at all whatsoever. But who's to say you know over time he can't develop on that? So you know I, I think there's better options later on the draft for offensive line. Bay, I would probably attack wide receiver and sort of the defensive line goes. I think there's going to be plenty of options there for him on day two if they want him. Talking with Anthony Treese, your pro football focus. Find him at PFF underscore Anthony. Uh, real quick, uh, they're also probably going to be looking for some secondary help, most likely safety over, unless, of course, you find yourself uh, with a corner falling in your lap. They're probably going to be looking for a safety or even maybe two. I mean, obviously, they've got, uh, you know, Adrian Amos coming up on contract after the next season, so you want to start developing some of these guys. Who's there that, let's just say, this guy may fall to them second, third round type of thing where they could say, okay, they're going to find themselves a quality sa- safety as well? Yeah, I think safety is a position that a lot of people just aren't talking about enough. I think it's one of the deepest positions in the class, almost right up there with edge and off-ball linebacker, very deep one. Um, I think they can get some quality guys on day two. Some names that kind of stick out to me, Kirby Joseph from Illinois, um, was actually one of our highest-graded safeties in college football this past year. Um, his first year kind of in a marquee role. I think experience is kind of going to go into kind of the downside. Um, but, I mean, he has the length, and you can see the instincts. He made some incredible plays in the ball. This past year at Illinois, Nick Cross, too, from Maryland. Um, he took a step back this year, played him closer to the line of scrimmage. It's really not his game. I think he's better deep. Um, and, you know, you, you look at what he did at the combine, got a fast 40. You, show, you look at him on the field, you could see that type of range there. So, you know, when he's playing free safety, you know, he, he excelled there. So um, I, I think in that defense, too, yeah, I think he'd be a good fit there. So, so those are a couple of names that stand out. But, yeah, I mean, it's a very deep position, and they really can't go wrong with you know, a lot of those guys, I think there'd be pretty good value for, you know, not just Green Bay, any team needing a safety in the third round. Anthony, great stuff, man. We certainly appreciate it as the uh, the draft draws on. And even after so, we'll touch base with you guys just to kind of kind of evaluate the, what the Packers actually did. I appreciate it, man. Okay? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks, pal. There you go. Anthony Trees, Pro Football Focus. You can read his stuff at PFF underscore Anthony. He's their lead college football analyst. Obviously a wealth of information when it comes to the depth of the NFL draft and what it is. Um, you know, uh, is upcoming and what the Packers may or may not be able to get. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly the Packers get one of those top wide receivers early on and then another one later on in the draft. Um, possibly fortify the defensive line help position, maybe an edge rusher if indeed there's still one there. But the last mock draft that I looked at, which came out, I believe it was yesterday, the day before, from Pro Football Focus, had a couple of trades, a couple of deals. Um, and they base it upon what the needs are for many of these teams and how they might address certain things and what they've done propensity-wise in the past. And uh, there was a real run on edge rushers early on in that uh, pro football, latest pro football mock draft. So uh, it's going to be interesting because if, if that's the case, one of those top four, five wide receivers uh, could fall within the reach of uh, the Green Bay Packers for sure. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back, and uh, get more into it. Got a lot of comments over the bowling stuff, too. It's pretty funny. Uh, there, it, Look, some of it, I uh, probably pissed a few people off. I get it. I understand it. But I had to tell you what I saw. Stay tuned. More coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. 
Listen, rate, subscribe.